Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm happy that you've found me, but more importantly, I am thrilled that you have found Jesus. Friends, there is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we'll be unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter Jesus to transform. If you're new to our show, you'll find that this podcast is built upon a foundation of biblical truths. And being a podcast, occasionally I will interject an opinion, but I do try to make sure to let you know it's only my opinion and not a statement of fact. So hopefully you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends, we delve into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, as we center ourselves and we prepare to enter into God's presence today, allow me to speak a blessing over your life. This blessing comes to us from the book of Numbers, and it's in the form of a benediction given from Moses' brother, priest Aaron. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, if you've been following along, I want to welcome you back. And you know, the war in the Middle East brings with it many questions, ones that Jesus shares the answers for. One such question, though, was sent to me by Victoria in Scottsdale, Arizona. She wrote to me asking, why do Christians continue to pray for the return of Jesus Are they merely attempting to speed up the process of his return or for the rapture? And you know, this aggravates non-believers. And Victoria, that is an excellent question. Allow me to shed some light and provide you and other listeners with my opinion on the matter. First, just know this. It's not the case that all believers are in fact praying for the return to be quick. In fact, personally, I'm praying for Jesus to give us more time. The longer he waits before coming back, the more souls have the potential to be reached for eternal salvation. Now, of course, on the flip side of the coin, many people are praying for the second coming of Christ, knowing that heaven or the new Jerusalem, as it's called, is going to be so glorious and utterly beyond comprehension and comparison to our present day earth that they want to usher in and speed up the process. So I hope that that has answered your question surrounding that. Uh, Should you have any other questions, feel free to let me know. But we must be discerning when we approach the end times prophecy. For many people hearing anything related to end times strikes a chord of fear within them instead of faith in what Jesus had said. And, you know, instead of focusing in and honing in on the negative and being pessimistic, we really need to be optimistic in telling people about the good news of Jesus. But I mentioned discernment, and discernment means to assess a situation without judgment. It operates from a neutral, non-fear-based position. Our decision-making is sharper 
clearer and better when we practice this and actively seek to look through the lens of love. We're perceptive, bold, and caring. In this state of being, we recognize we are all connected through a common thread. The cross at Calvary comes into focus. Christ came in human form to save as many who would believe. And remember that Jesus is the visible manifestation of our invisible God, whom we are made in the image of God and not in a physical image because God is spirit, but we are made in the image of God so that we can adapt and develop his characteristics. So upon acceptance of this belief, one gains eternal life known as saving salvation. It's been said there are no crowns without the cross. Now God's promises bring us hope. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 13 through 20 tell us this. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you richly and I will multiply your descendants into countless millions. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. When people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can take new courage for we can hold on to his promise with confidence. This confidence is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain of heaven into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the line of Melchizedek. Abraham had no choice except to become more patient in his wait for the promised son. It would be 25 years for the promise to show up in the blessing of his beloved Isaac. Like Abraham, our trials and tribulations seem to feel like they too are lasting for an eternity. Both the Bible and seasoned meaning Mature Christians encourage us to wait for God to act in his perfect timing, even when our needs seem too great to wait any longer. We can trust God to do what he says he will do. When promising Abraham a son, God took an oath in his own name. The oath then was as good as his name of God, and God's name was as good as his divine nature. God is the embodiment of all truth. Therefore, he cannot lie. Knowing this, you and me can be secure in his promises. We have the assurance he won't change plans or direction on us. Our hope is secure and immovable, anchored and tethered in God. When we genuinely seek God in belief, he gives us an unconditional promise of acceptance. In God, we have his truth, assurance, encouragement, and confidence. 
Inside the two most inner rooms of the temple were the Holy of Holies and in the main doorway was the Holy Place. A temple curtain or veil hung separating the rooms. This curtain was positioned so that no one entering or gazing into would get even a fleeting glimpse of the interior of the Holy of Holies. The high priest was only allowed in there one time per year to stand in God's presence and atone for the sins of the entire nation. But Jesus is in God's presence always, and he can intercede on our behalf continually, being our high priest. Melchizedek was a priest of our Most High God. He will remain a priest forever. His priesthood has no record of beginning or ending. He was a priest of God in Salem prior to the name changing to Jerusalem, and long before the nation of Israel and the regular priesthood began. What do I mean by the regular priesthood? Well, the writer of Hebrews shows us that Jesus is even greater than Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, and Levi, Abraham's descendant by Jacob. Therefore, the Jewish priesthood that was made up of Levi's descendants was inferior to Melchizedek's priesthood. This form was seen as a type of Christ. You see, Jesus' priestly role would always be superior to any Levitical priest because the Messiah was a priest of a higher order. Also note Jesus didn't come through the tribe of Levi. Recall yesterday we said Jesus and King David came through the tribe of Judah. And the animal sacrifices had to be repeated to atone for sin. This was temporary forgiveness. But Jesus' sacrifice was offered as a one time for complete restoration and forgiveness. This established a new covenant. The Levitical priesthood was canceled in favor of Jesus' role as high priest. Because Jesus is our high priest, we must pay attention to him. No church, no minister, no Christian friend can substitute for Christ's propitiation at the cross, granting you and me saving salvation. You know, heaven rejoices over one saved sinner. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 4 say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. Now he's seated in the place of the highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. Think about all he endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him so that you don't become weary and give up, or me for that matter. After all, we have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Faith is a combination of assurance and anticipation. Who then is the writer of Hebrews referring to when they reference this great cloud of witnesses? 
Well, Abel, who brought a more acceptable sacrifice to God than his brother Cain. And then there's Enoch, who was taken up to heaven without dying. And what about Noah? He built an ark to save his entire family from the flood. And Abraham, of course, obeyed God and went to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And Isaac and Jacob also received the same promise. Abraham could confidently go in faith because he looked forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. These witnesses have expert status credentials. It's safe to suffice then they are able to testify of God's faithfulness as they've gone to heaven before us. When we're wise, we persistently encourage ourselves in the Lord. We attune to the spirit rather than fear and negativity, realizing that God is in full control. His provision and blessings are promises, not only possibilities. In Psalm chapter 29, verse 11, David says, the Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Over the course of history, God has revealed his power through miracles over nature, such as the great flood and Noah. Paul would urge us to understand God's extraordinary power by telling us in Ephesians, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to help you and to help me with our daily problems. In other words, the same power that controls all of creation and raises the dead is available to all of us. When we are not positioned in faith, the enemy has weaponized our minds with fear. We can make a choice, though, to trust God's care for us in the midst of fear. When all seems dark, one truth shines bright. When God is for us, those against us will never succeed. Psalm chapter 56 verse 11 puts it this way, I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? You see, when we make efforts to strengthen our character, we follow God and not man. The opposite of this wisdom is foolishness, ignorance, lack of a discerning spirit, and acting for our own personal preference rather than wisdom. It's imperative to seek the wisdom of God rather than the wisdom of the world. When we do this, we're diligent and obedient to God, who has directed the spirit of the Lord. So when we're discerning, we discover death is not the end game. We do not have to view death as an enemy, but merely a recycling of energy where we are in heaven and we have new bodies. We're given new bodies, new assignments. Our souls go on and progress within the heaven realm with Jesus and God and Holy Spirit. So the Bible tells us not to be afraid, nor to be discouraged at least over 70 times. And you know, friends, when we feel like life owes us something, we must remember the only thing owed to us is an opportunity to grow in love, forgiveness, humility, obedience, faith, kind words, peace, grace, deliverance, light, and to be led by the Holy Spirit. Prayer, healing, discernment, recognizing false teachers, and angelic beings. 
Now, take a look at the Bible characters who failed at some point on their journey of life, and we can recognize the blessings that God still afforded to them and affords to us. Take, for example, Moses. He walked away from a palace. He had a temper which he used to protect a slave who was being beaten, and he killed the abuser. Moses later in life struck a rock with his rod instead of speaking to it as God had commanded. Elisha walked away from a farm. Luke walked away from a medical practice. Abraham lied about Sarah when he felt threatened by men desiring her beauty. The Israelites discounted God's plan to safely take them to the promised land. David had an affair and murdered, so he was he committed lust, lust of the flesh. Solomon allowed his multiplication of foreign wives to turn his heart away from God. King Asa became cynical in his old age. Peter was an impulsive speaker. Mark left Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Christians at Corinth drank too much at communion services. And what about John? He worshipped an angel in the book of Revelation. So we can refuse to accept the worst of the world in order to gain God's best. We must grow and remain faithful and stay focused on the ultimate prize. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 tells us, Paul says, I press toward the goal for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And you know, here's another area for discernment using a worldly example, and it can be seen from mere dish soap. Dawn dish soap gained notoriety in the Exxon Valdez oil spill. Baby, baby ducklings were dust in oil and needed cleaning, but how was the question? Scientists and researchers found the best method was as simple as Dawn dish soap. You might be asking, why is this important? Well, simply the message conveys this we all need to be like these baby chicks allowing for what is said to not be taken to heart we need not allow others projections to cling and stick to us when the greatest cleaner in history is only a prayer away we must let all negativity slide right off of our backs our minds souls bodies will thank us so friends If you have not been spiritually reborn, wouldn't now be a good time? God made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven. A person must confess belief in his son Jesus by professing with their mouth. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. And our sin was placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. We can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus. However, we can show him gratitude by growing and making efforts to obey him deepening our relationship daily. So today, friends, if this is you, respectfully, I challenge you to take a bold step of courage and openly confess after me. Father God, it's by faith today that I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, I'm inviting you to come into my heart. 
and lead me. I confess your shed blood washed away my sin from the top of my head to the soles of my feet at the cross on Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed this prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the Holy Spirit. And consider growing by joining a good Bible-based church and surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers who will build up and help edify your faith in Jesus. Now allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your life. Congratulations and God bless you. Friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. When we're not in the middle of a series, a special children's podcast will air on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as one-time forgiveness or habitual daily forgiveness, spiritual warfare, how to be joyful versus being happy, which is just a mere feeling that fluctuates up and down. But joy is a persistent, everlasting fruit. And it actually is one of the fruits in the the nine fruits of the spirit and that we find in Galatians. And then what love in action looks like, biblical trust, and so many more topics. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on an adventure of all things Jesus. So please join me. And if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, ensuring that you're going to get the latest releases when they become available. And friends, much of today's podcast referenced my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or compelling, you can pick up a copy from my website at pampastorcopywriting.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And importantly, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It's full of God's word and it's waiting for you to read it. Until next time, remember, you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. And John tells us in Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, he blesses us saying the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.